I'm hearing a common theme as I speak with my clients over the past few weeks. And that theme is that it feels like more of a struggle to attract new clients or increase sales or overall grow business. That lately, more than it normally is, it's feeling like a struggle. And when I ask why, where is the feeling of struggle coming from? They say, well, you know, I'm putting in the work. I am trying new marketing tactics. I'm posting consistently on social media. I'm networking like there's no tomorrow. I'm doing many of the things that you say I'm sending weekly newsletters. I'm showing up and asking questions. I'm starting to build relationships. But it's not turning into business. So even if, as we've talked about, In the past couple of episodes, there's a relationship forming, there are connections forming. It's kind of this feeling of, but it's not quite going where I want it to go. The results just aren't coming in the way that I hope. And so there's no one way to build your business. There's no right way to build your business, but there are ways to make it more simple. I mean, first of all, it's really important to note that these feelings of frustration, these feelings of struggle can lead to burnout. And of course, we know when burnout happens, it's kind of like all action ceases, which only causes more struggle and it causes more frustration and the cycle repeats itself. But burnout, that kind of burnout is usually linked to overwhelm. And then overwhelm is really just the result of saying yes too many times to too many things. And in the case of building a business, it looks like saying yes to too many ways of growing a business, too many strategies. So the solution, which you've heard me talk about before, is to go deep instead of wide. And we talk about that and we've talked about that here in context of sticking to a strategy instead of feeling like you need to be on all the platforms, pick one platform instead of feeling like you need to communicate in all the ways, pick one way of communication instead of feeling like you have to try all the strategies to generate awareness, pick one strategy, right? Go all in on it. Like those are things that we have talked about before. But it also means leveraging the things that are already happening in your business. Because oftentimes there's so many things that we can leverage, but we're not. And it's creating unnecessary work. It's creating additional overwhelm. One example that I think everybody can relate to is repurposing content. Imagine if you just created new content every single day and you never went and repurposed the content that you've already created. You are creating additional work additional overwhelm, when you really could be going back and going deeper with what you've already done, repurposing it, recrafting it, being innovative, taking it to the next level, and getting more results than you get from just creating new content all the time. This is also true with media appearances, whether that's a podcast interview, you were on the news, you were mentioned in an article, even Facebook Live interviews, all of these things that we have happening to give us more visibility, speaking engagements, for example. Oftentimes, people will talk about that right as it's happening. I'm so excited to be interviewed on Jane Doe's podcast. And then after the interview, I was interviewed on Jane Doe's podcast. And then the episode comes out. Here's my episode with Jane Doe's podcast. But then that's the last time you ever mention it. Cut to a couple of months later, a couple of years later, you're not calling people back to that episode. Yet that episode, that interview can be a very powerful tool for you, but instead you're on to, I need more interviews. I need to be featured in more places. It can also look like serving your clients even better than you're already serving them. So if we're talking about this idea of going deep, leveraging the things that are already happening, if you have clients and you're already serving them, then it's how can I serve them better instead of thinking, how can I have more clients to serve? And it also means going deeper in communications with your audience, however you're communicating with them. So maybe you have a newsletter, but you're thinking, well, maybe I should start posting on LinkedIn or I should start a Facebook page or maybe I should start a podcast or and you start thinking of all of these different ways to be communicating with the audience that you have, instead of thinking of alternative ways or more ways that you can go deeper in the form of communication that you're already using. But even with that concept, so the idea of going deep instead of wide, leveraging what's already happening for you, 
Even with those concepts, I'm going to take it to a deeper level and mention a few ancillary related concepts that not many people discuss. I don't hear many business coaches, definitely. I don't hear a lot of strategists or consultants talking about these things. And if they do, I've rarely heard them discussed in a way that makes the actions practical and tangible. Recently, I had a conversation with someone who runs a small bakery, and they were facing many of the challenges that we just talked about. And despite trying all of these different strategies, they just weren't gaining traction in their business. So I dug into their strategies so that I could better understand what were they doing, where were the gaps, where were they not going deep instead of wide. I will say that phrase over and over. I dream about that phrase, guys. <laughs> you know, but I, I really dug in and I wanted to understand where opportunities existed. And I told them after like learning everything that was going on that I really believe the key to turning things around could lie in the power of social proof social currency, and social capital. And these were concepts that they were kind of familiar with, mainly social proof. They said, but Rita, I think we are using social proof. Like we put pictures on our Instagram page and we have testimonials and they listed like one or two more things. But then they openly admitted, I'm not really sure what the difference is with social currency, social capital. I've never really heard these things explained before. And I said, if you're open to it, we can talk about it. We can create some strategies around it. And so after a few tweaks to their strategy and a few months, they saw results. They saw an increase in customers coming into their business. And that increase continues to this day. So no worries. I'm going to explain exactly how that worked and what these concepts are. And I'm going to detail what they really mean. Most importantly, why it matters, why it matters to you, especially if you're a solo entrepreneur in a service-based business. And we're going to explore practical strategies, things you can do, examples so that you can start reaping the benefits of social proof, social currency, and social capital in your own business immediately on this episode of Back to Community. Success is about more than what you know or who you know. It is all about the quality of connections that you have with others. If you're ready to transform your business, elevate your influence, and fuel your financial success, then you're in the right place. I'm your host, Rita Goodrow, a community-building expert, business strategist, and speaker who's dedicated to helping individuals, teams, and organizations build stronger connections in an increasingly disconnected world so that they unlock success and fulfillment. And for business, that translates into more creativity, more risk-taking, innovation, and increased profits. Join me weekly to discover actionable strategies, inspiring stories, and transformative insights that will help you connect deeply with your audience, your clients, and your network. Because you see, when you turn those connections into a loyal and trusting community, you will see your business grow like never before. It is time for a connection revolution because success is inevitable when you focus on building community. So let's get back to it. So let's get the main thing out of the way, which are what do these terms really mean, Rita? Many people have usually heard of social proof, but what is social currency? What is social capital? Aren't these the same things? I have no idea what you're talking about. But because this is kind of the centerpiece of today's episode, I really want to make sure that you understand the nuances of these concepts. So let's start with social proof, because that's one everybody talks about. You need social proof. You need social proof. And people's minds usually default to social media, proof of something visually, uh, in writing, in some kind of way, just proof that allows people to know that something is true. However, here is what social proof really is. It's actually a psychological phenomenon, okay? So it's not the thing that you're doing. It's kind of what is happening as a result of the thing that you're doing. So it's a psychological phenomenon, and it happens when people look to other people to know what to do or how to behave in a given situation. So I'll give you an example. I was leading a training for a public school system. I started it by playing some music as people were walking in the room and I was dancing. And I did that on purpose. I was dancing. And a couple of other people, as they entered the room, started dancing with me. 
And then as other people entered the room, they danced, right? But the reason they were dancing isn't because they were told to dance or because it was expected. Nobody was dancing in any of the other sessions. It was because they saw someone dancing. So the first person into the room saw me dancing and took their cue for how to behave in that room based off of me. And then as more people came in, they took their cues off other people who were dancing. And in fact, a couple of people who didn't dance, who came in and kind of sat down, told me later in that session that they felt really awkward. They felt left out. They felt like they were doing something wrong, which is not really what I wanted them to feel. But for the purpose of the conversation we were having, it was important that people shared that. But the idea is people look to other people to know what to do or how to behave in any given situation. So they take their cues from others, and then they mimic that back. We are wired. We are wired to follow the crowd. I know everybody's like, oh, don't, don't, you just do you. (laughs) Like something is wrong. And I have a lot of clients saying, Rita, I keep comparing myself to other people, and I want to be doing what I see all of these other people doing, and I want to explore these other strategies that people are using. And like, how do I just fix it? How do I fix it so I never want to think like that ever again? And I say, that's not the point. You're not supposed to fix it. <laughs> it's like we are, we, we can move past it, but there's nothing wrong with you, I think is what I want to say. There's nothing broken. We are wired to seek validation and follow the crowd especially when we are unsure about anything. Here's a non-business way to think about social proof. Imagine that you're on vacation in a new city and you're trying to find a good restaurant for dinner. So let's say you come visit me. You come visit me in Savannah and you see two restaurants and they're side by side. One restaurant is crowded with people. There's a line. People are waiting. People are smiling. They're sitting outside. They're enjoying their food. And then the restaurant next to it is empty. They're outdoor tables, but nobody's sitting in them. There's not a line. You kind of peek in the window. There are a few people in there. They're eating. You can't really tell much, right, from their expressions. Even without knowing anything about the food, what they serve, what people are eating, or what the quality of the food is, and without knowing anything about the service, you're likely to choose a crowded restaurant. You're going to choose a crowded restaurant because the presence of other diners serves as proof that it must be good. The fact that there's a line serves as proof that it must be good. The fact that people are smiling as they eat serves as proof that it must be good, that they're having good service, that they're having a great time. So for you as a business owner, what this means is that when potential clients see other people, they see other people using your services, enjoying the benefits, getting the results, interacting with you, having a good time, having a good experience, they are more likely to trust your business and want to join in. It's that really important kind of like, oh, that could be me. That could also be me factor. And that makes a really big difference. Real quick examples of what social proof can look like in your business, although we are going to dive into these. I really need to come up with another phrase other than dive deep, or do I? Can we just all accept that this is a phrase that I'm going to say all the time? Don't worry. We are going to dive deep into those later in this episode. But I mean, just to give you an idea, reviews are one form of social proof, testimonials, videos, your following on social media, engagement on social media, the number of views on a video or a number of comments, influencer mentions, case studies, bloggers mentioning you, lines, wait lists, experts endorsing you, results of other people, what your peers are saying, all kinds of things. Don't worry. There are some practical, tangible things that I'm going to share with you. But I do want you to think, when have you been influenced by those things? When have you been influenced by social proof? Because honestly, that's exactly what social proof is doing and what you're going for, which is that idea of social influence. Social influence is the desire to be accepted, liked, important, intelligent. Remember when I said all of the people who didn't join in, they didn't join in in dancing, they said they felt, even though there was no reason for this to be true, they felt left out. They felt like people were judging them. They felt like maybe they were missing out. They should be doing something. And so a few of those people said, well, I sat down and I wasn't dancing. 
And then I got up and I started to dance because I wanted people to accept me. I wanted people to like me. Now, I in no way endorse shaming people or manipulating people or anything. That's why I think it's really important that later in this episode, I'm going to go into some ethical ways (laughs) to use social proof in your business because we want people to feel good. We don't want people to feel bad. But it's just important that you understand the overall concept. In fact, real quickly, when we're talking about testimonials and we're talking about reviews, I want you to know that 70%, 70% of consumers look for reviews first before they do anything else. Reviews are actually 12 times more trusted than the written descriptions of your services or what you do. So we're going to talk about a good review, a good testimonial later. But this is why people are more likely to trust you when they see social proof because they're looking to other people to inherit their trust in you. And they're also looking to other people to know what to do. How do we behave? Like, what are we doing like with you and interacting with you and the space and all of these things like this? Now, before I go down the rabbit hole of social proof too much, because we're really just going over the concepts, right? Social proof now, you know, psychological phenomenon where people look to other people to know what they should be doing in any given situation. So what is social currency? Social currency is the value that people get from sharing an experience or sharing a brand, which makes them feel good. It makes them feel part of a community. Picture yourself attending a music festival with a group of friends, and during that music festival, you snap a photo of you with the lead singer of the headlining band. I don't even know what bands are popular now, so I'm not even going to try. But you snap a photo of yourself with the lead singer of this main band from this music festival, and you post it on social media. And suddenly, everyone is commenting. Your friends, your followers are liking the posts. They're so excited for you. By sharing that experience, by sharing that unique and exciting experience, you gain what's called social currency. Because that photo, we're not here to debate right or wrong, right, if it should or shouldn't. The fact is, by posting that photo, it elevates your social status and it makes you seem more interesting. It makes you seem more connected. And especially if that is your world, right, you want people to know, hey, I had a unique experience and people are going to want to connect with you about that experience. Now, in business, when your clients or your customers share positive stories about working with you. Positive results, sure, but really share about the positive experience. They're not just promoting you. They reinforce their sense of belonging, which is important. Belonging is important. We talked about that episode 125, the art and habit of connection, how really at the end of the day, people want to feel a sense of belonging. And so when they tell people, all of these positive stories about their experience working with you, they reinforce that sense of belonging and connection with you and your business. And that also boosts their own social standing. So we're going to, don't worry, it's a very complicated concept if we dive into it too much. What I want you to know is that by providing exceptional service and creating Shareworthy experiences, you are encouraging your clients to become your biggest fans and therefore your most effective promoters. But it's not just a benefit for you, it is also a benefit for them. It helps them connect more with your business, it helps them connect more with their results. That's what social currency is. Now, again, we're going to go into a lot of details about this, but let me loop to social capital. Social capital is the network of relationships and connections that provide both an economic and a social value. So social proof, again, is that people looking to other people to know what to do in any given situation. Social currency is the value that people get from sharing an experience, that sense of belonging that they have, that sense of connection, And then social capital is economic and social value that comes from a network of relationships and connections. So let me give you again another non-business example. Let's pretend, I don't know, that you own a soccer team because to stick with my 
trend of talking about things I have absolutely no idea about when it comes to picking hypotheticals out of the air. I don't know anything about soccer, and I don't know anything about owning a soccer team. So let's go with that. That makes sense. So as the owner of a soccer team, you have created a a really tight community among the players and their families, and that community has created a level of trust and support that's shared by all of the members of the community. And let's say that that's on display through, I don't know, a Facebook group. So there's a Facebook group and the members of the community and their families are in it and other people within the community are free to join that Facebook group. And because of this like close-knit community, and I don't just mean like whatever's happening on Facebook, I'm just talking about all the interactions, all the connections between the players and their families that are happening on and offline. But let's say there is an online container where they can come to connect between all of these games and other experiences and other connection points that they have, okay? And that Facebook group is visible by everybody. It's in the public. But because of that close-knit community. The trust is high, support is high, camaraderie is high, it's shared by everybody who are members, who are family, and also those who are just watching it all happen. So the social capital that can be created from that situation can really show up in a variety of ways. So it might be that players are more willing to help each other, to help each other improve their skills, which leads to winning more games, better performance. Maybe the family becomes more involved and they offer their time and resources to support the team or support the event. So that could be fundraisers or carpooling or equipment donations or a variety of things. And then also maybe, I don't know, because of the strong connections between the team members and their families and everybody, again, who's watching all of this happen, the network of relationships extends beyond the field. And now they're getting sponsors and they're getting even more fans coming to the game. And the ripple effects are huge. So in your business, to cut back to a business example, when your business fosters strong community, which we've talked about in a variety of episodes so far, but when your business fosters the connections and creating a strong community around your business, it provides more value to the members of that community. And you're essentially building social capital. And the more social capital that you have, the more supportive and loyal your clients in your community will be. And that translates into increased sales and client retention. Because remember, and if you dip back an episode or two to the importance of community in business and elevating success, people who are part of a community built around your business are 19% more likely to invest in your business. And you can kind of start seeing the reasons why. They're inheriting the trust. They are seeing social proof. They want to be part of whatever is happening. They want to go deeper with what's happening. It increases across the board, right? Like in a situation where social capital is going to be created, social proof and social currency are also at play. And so you can start seeing why all of this is so important for your business. But don't worry, we're going to dive in again. How many, should we turn that into some kind of game? Like how many times Rita says dive in uh, in an episode, maybe, maybe in a future episode. But we are, I want you to know how to actually do this in easily implementable ways. So let's do that. Let's explore practical strategies, real life examples that can show you how to tap into the power of social proof, social currency, and social capital in your business. Let me illustrate this with my own story, which I've touched upon in past episodes. So if this is not new to you, here's what I always say. Because every episode I have a mix of new to Rita, new to back to community listeners, and previous. So for many of you, you're going to hear me tell a lot of the same stories or talk about similar concepts. One thing to be running through your mind if you hear something and you're like, oh, I already know that. I already know that. Rita's talked about that. And you're tempted to hit the fast forward button. I will say this. (laughs) Usually I'm talking about something similar, but in a different way. But second, I want you to be asking yourself, even if you already know it and you've heard me talk about it, how well are you doing it? And why is this information coming across you right now if you already know it? And if you listen for those two things, How well am I doing what Rita's talking about? And why is this information crossing my path right now? 
even if I'm not talking about it in a different way, which I usually am, you will provide value. So that being said, I'm going to tell you the story about a singles group that I ran for many years called Singles in the Suburbs. So very long story, but very like bitter (laughs) one night that everything was in the city of D.C. for singles. And I lived in the suburbs and traffic in D.C. If you're not used to it, it takes forever to get to the city and back. And so by the time I could get to any singles events, they were over. And I was just really frustrated. And I started a singles group called Singles in the Suburbs. And that group grew to be a very large group. And the reason that it grew to be such a large group, besides all the things we've talked like serving them well and meeting them where they're at and understanding their needs and, I mean, all the basic kind of check, check, check that you need for something to actually serve people, it was because of social proof. I mean, the way Meetup works, which is where this group was housed on meetup.com, you can see other people who are joining the group. So if you see a group with like three or four people, You might not join it until you see, I don't know, 100 people in it. So as more people joined the group, that was social proof in and of itself, and other people were more likely to join the group. Also social proof were, are there active events? So I made sure to always have active events on the calendar so that when people came to check it out, they would see active events. And when they saw active events, then that was also social proof that it was like a valid group. But members joining the group and participating in events influenced other people. So photographic proof, photographic evidence that people were there was very important. And I knew that that was going to be important. So from the very first event, I made sure to carve out the ability to showcase all of this. So the way that that looked in Meetup has a lot of features that makes this very easy So I went to run my first meetup. It was a happy hour at a bar in Herndon called Carpool. Shout out to Carpool for many wonderful memories. But it was at a happy hour at Carpool and 10 people came and I made sure that I took a photo of the group. I took some candid photos. I asked the members, hey, this is a new group. Would you make sure that you go and and leave a review of your first experience? And the reason the first experience was good was because I treated that event as if 100 people had come. I wanted them to have free food. I wanted them to have drink specials. I wanted them to feel really seen and have a great time so that they wanted to tell other people about it. And I made sure that they then felt like they had that experience so that they were able to go and tell other people about the experience that they had. So the reviews. So there were photos, there were reviews. And after those were posted, the next event had like double the number of attendees. And so you can see how people joining the group, people participating in the events, people reviewing the events, and people seeing all of this influenced, right? We're getting to that social influence, other people to do the same. And of course, then there were word of mouth referrals like, hey, I went to this group. I had a great time and you should come with me. And the thing about meetup is like if you're in one meetup in your area, you're probably in a couple of meetups in your area. So then people started talking about it like, hey, have you heard of this new meetup? It's really fun. I think you would really like to go. And again, that's because of all of the social proof, all of the experiences that people were having and sharing. But then that idea of social currency kicked in. The more that people started to attend the events and attend repeat events, again, the reason they wanted to come back was because of the experience that they were having and the other people that they were meeting. So then part of that experience was for me to make sure that I was introducing the members to each other. So as hostess of all of this, I played like the facilitator. I was like bringing people over to people. Hey, you should meet so-and-so. I was taking time to learn about each person. So I knew who to connect with who. I knew what resources were in my community. I knew what connections were in my community. I learned about people. I learned about their preferences. I learned about the events that they wanted and so on and so on, right? But As people kept coming, they started feeling a sense of belonging and pride, to be honest, in being part of Singles in the Suburbs because members were taking care of members. Members were showing up for each other. People were having these really great experiences across the board. And so as they felt a sense of belonging, like they belonged to a community. Remember, that sense of belonging is so important. They weren't just attending an event. 
like, let's go back to the happy hour example. I mean, anybody can just walk into a bar at happy hour and sit down and have drinks and start talking with the other people who are in the bar. But because I was creating an experience for them, they walked into the bar, but there was a group of people who were already there to meet other people. I was facilitating the conversations. I was facilitating the introductions. I created an experience through exclusives and things that they got being there, right? But they felt like they belonged to something, not just walking into a bar and having a drink, but they felt like they belonged to something. And they had pride in being part of Singles in the Suburbs. And all of that just motivated them to share their experiences with friends. I would say on social media, it was mainly Facebook back then in the day, and also on Meetup and in other meetup groups. Now, again, part of that social currency, if you notice what I kind of hinted at, there were exclusives. There were exclusive perks for people who were part of the community. So again, you could just walk into a bar and have a drink. But if you came as part of Singles in the Suburbs, (laughs) you got free food. I always negotiated some free appetizers, drink specials. I started negotiating for a while discounts with other businesses in the community. If you were a member of Singles in the Suburbs, you had special pricing for events. I wanted you to get something you couldn't get on your own by attending. I mean, more than just meeting the people and having the connections, which yes, like not every event had these special perks, right? But usually, yes, I really tried to do that. So those exclusive perks, opportunities that were exclusive to group members, special events that were only for the members that participated the most. Sometimes they had early access to certain events or to sign up an RSVP. Whatever I could do to add value to their membership in the community, and that all encouraged them to promote the group even more. So you see how I took it from social proof, which is just people having a great time, looking to other people to see how they should show up and behave and if they should join and if they should RSVP and attend events and what they should do at the events, and then having a great experience and leaving a great review to taking that up a notch to social currency by creating a sense of belonging, by creating a a sense that there are things that you get being part of Singles in the Suburbs that you just can't get anywhere else. And then all of that led to social capital because then as this group grew and it grew to like over 5,000 people in its heyday. And I mean, I'm telling you, not only did relationships form and best friends, like all my best friends, shout out to all of you, which I don't think any of you own a business or listen listen to this podcast, but I love you all anyway. But, you know, I met them through the group. People would tell me that they got jobs from other people in the group. Uh, I remember when people lost jobs, people were doing grocery shopping for people and helping with childcare and carpooling. And because of this community and the strong connections and the network and the friendships and the support that formed within the group, that led to a loyalty to singles in the suburbs and a super highly engaged community. And that all led to collaborations, other business opportunities for everyone, including me, which is why when I decided to leave the law and become a dating coach, my date coaching business grew quickly. That's why, yes, on paper, I surpassed my attorney salary in only a few months. But the reality was, it was because I had been running this singles group for five years. So I had established social capital that trickled over into my date coaching business. It was the sustainable foundation. It was the foundation that allowed my date coaching business to build because I had established social capital from the way that I had led the singles in the suburbs community, the trust the relationships, the connections that had come from leading that group of people who were ideal clients. Again, I was never anticipating starting a date coaching business, but that was a byproduct of that. The trust, the credibility that I built within that community, the social capital translated into clients pretty quickly in my date coaching business. So hopefully that's helped you kind of see the importance of social proof, social currency, and social capital. But I really want to go into it in more detail specifically in a way that what does that mean for your business? What are all of the different ways that you can tap into and start utilizing and showcasing and employing all of these concepts? 
So remember that social proof is that phenomenon where people look to others to determine how they should behave or what decisions that they should make. So there's several forms of social proof, and each one can play a role in influencing people's decisions. But common forms, we're going to talk about a few common forms, are endorsements, celebrity endorsements, testimonials, peer recommendations, certifications or awards. So for example, seeing a celebrity endorsement for a skincare product might persuade more people to give it a try. Or user testimonials obviously can encourage someone to sign up for a particular course or a particular service. Again, some of those other things that I... (laughs) I never want to say that these are the things to, like, your metrics, the vanity metrics are important, but at the same time, I have to acknowledge that vanity metrics are also a form of social proof for people. So social media following, the number of views that you have on things, the amount of engagement that you have, but what are the things that you have true control over? Because you don't really have control over those. Let's say that testimonials and reviews you have a high level of control over. The case studies that you share from the clients that you've worked with. You have control over that. The way that you structure your offerings and your business can create social proof. So if there are wait lists, if there are of interest lists, if there are pre-sign-up lists, things like that, things that you have a high level of influence over but not control over can be endorsements. So again, who's endorsing you? Even the way something looks can be social proof. But those main ones, case studies, testimonials, Other people endorsing you, even if they're not clients, so peers, people who are in a similar same industry who already have trust, influencers in certain cases can be very valuable. And obviously, if you have certain certifications, you've won certain awards, and we also have like trust icons and badges. So if you're certified by a certain agency or if you're part of a certain association or you have these little icons and badges, places, all of that social proof for other people that they may want to interact with you, but obviously the biggest one is when they see other people interacting with you and having great results, which is why I keep coming back to testimonials and reviews. Now, I will say this because this episode, I do not have time to go in into it, but I have a way that you can actually get great testimonials. So if you email me at Rita at RitaMimiDoIt.com and you put in the subject line, testimonials, I want your testimonial formula or whatever it is, I will send it to you. And so Rita at RitaMimiDoIt.com, say, I want to know how to get a great testimonial or something along those lines, and I will send it back to you because I think that they are one of the most valuable forms of social proof. Of course, photographs, if you lead events, if you have products, if you take screen captures of your sessions, if you're able to, right, all of that evidence of people having that experience, having a good time, leaving the good reviews, all of that. It's all a form of social proof that can really play that role in influencing the buying decision of the people who are seeing the social proof. But there are certain things that make social proof even more impactful. So, for example, stories. Stories are very powerful drivers of human emotions. So you or, again, those clients, right, sharing relatable, authentic stories, that builds trust and credibility. It's more persuasive and trustworthy as compared to statistics and trends. So you can say, hey, when you have a business coach, you are 20% more likely to blah, blah, blah. But if a client's like, hey, I worked with Rita and I did this thing and then this happened and I got this result, that's going to be a lot more persuasive. When the social proof comes from peers, people who are like the people who are seeing the social proof, it's going to have more impact because people like to be like other people who are like them. That makes sense. If I am a solo entrepreneur of a service based business and I'm in my first three years of running my business, hearing testimonials from other people who are service based entrepreneurs in the first three years of their business, that's going to influence me more. The more that I am like the person giving the testimonial or the review, the more power that testimonial or review will have for me. As compared to sometimes people are trying to get testimonials and endorsements and things like that from people who are at a higher level than the people who would ultimately become 
their clients. So like, yeah, if Brene Brown was like, Rita's awesome, you should totally work with Rita. That's great. Believe it or not, that's not going to have as much power or weight as someone who is just like the person who would ultimately hire me saying the same thing. So that's important to think about as well. Also, photos, visual, that visual proof is so important and carries a lot of weight. Videos, audio recordings, again, don't have time to go into all the whys, so go back to the episode on nonverbal communication. But videos and audios, whether it's of you or you interviewing other people, interviewing your clients, talking to people, like when people can hear and see people talking, it's going to have a lot more power. And then multiple, the power of multiples. So when you have many testimonials, many reviews, and when they're coming in a variety of ways, so that can look like a testimonial or a review that someone has written for you, but also screenshots, screenshots of reviews, screenshots of things people have left on your Facebook page, obviously things that are allowed to be public. So if it was in a private group, I would get permission before sharing it outside of the group. But if it's left on my personal Facebook page, I can screenshot that. So whether it's an email and getting permission to share what was in the email or redacting personal information, that would make it identifiable. But different formats of the way that all of this comes in is also powerful. But the idea of multiples. And now let's go to that next level. Let's go to that next higher level of social currency. Again, social currency is the value, the value that people are getting from sharing the brand, sharing the experience. It's what makes them feel good and part of a community. I mean, really, at its core, it's about transforming your clients, transforming your community members into brand advocates, whether they've worked with you or not. I can tell you, I have brand advocates who never coached with me one-on-one or in any of my paid containers, but they've participated with me in a lot of my free offerings, a lot of my free challenges, uh, free live streams, listening to this podcast, hearing me speak, so in a variety of ways, right? But it's about transforming your clients and your community members into brand advocates. They are eager to share your business with other people. So this means thinking, how can I get people to share about my business as part of their everyday life? This is really word of mouth marketing. And we know that word of mouth marketing is so powerful. But again, it's about more than that. It's about more than people talking about your business. It's about that sense of belonging and connection that you're creating for them to you and to your business. And that sense of belonging, becoming part of something that's bigger, feeling really connected to the mission, feeling connected to you as a the owner of the business, feeling connected to the impact and what your business is doing in the world, that makes them more loyal and enthusiastic about your brand. So how can you do it? How can you take clients or community members or whatever the situation is and move them from just that into brand advocates so that they share about you publicly? And again, we're talking about leveraging, right? This helps leverage your marketing. It's not just you out there marketing. Now other people are marketing for you. Well, there are a couple of things you can do. You can make them celebrities. You can feature them. Feature them in your marketing materials, in your blog posts, in your videos, in your podcasts, in your social media shoutouts. I mean, I've told all of you that if you email me almost anything, I'm going to shout you out. I will feature you. I will put you on the podcast. I will get a clip from you. There are a variety of things that I can do. Make them celebrities. Make them the center of, of your marketing, of your blog posts, of your podcasts, of your lives, of your videos, social media shout outs. Share their success stories. Showcase the interactions between you and how your business has helped them achieve their goals, but really focusing on them and their goals and what they've been able to accomplish, letting the world learn about them. Have people show what they're doing and the impact of working with you, whether that's through a product or service, in their everyday life. So let's say that you own a brewery, you brew a certain kind of beer. It wouldn't just be to encourage people to share photos of them drinking your beer, right? It would actually be of them having an experience. Photos of people bonding and having fun and being in your brewery and enjoying your beer and having great conversation or video of that happening is going to be way more powerful than telling people how the beer is made and that it tastes great and that it's got a cold bottle. And I don't know, my I, again, I don't brew beer so, <laughs> and I don't really drink beer that it's, you know, 
triple hopped and cold bottled or whatever, like the the photos, right, are going to have a lot more currency. It's going to go further. So again, really, the idea is number one, make them celebrities. Number two, run contests. And these contests encourage your clients to share their experiences with your brand. So that could be, again, in the form of photo, video, written testimonials, before and after pictures, or creative content that really highlights your services. You can also offer exclusives. So like I said, with singles in the suburbs, right, providing exclusive opportunities that were only accessible to you if you were a member of that community. So you can provide exclusive content. So these are things like what happened in Facebook groups where I'm like, it's only going to be here. I'm only going live in this group. Nobody else is going to see it. This challenge is only taking place in the back to community, which guys, by the way, there's an incredible free challenge taking place in the back to community Facebook group. I'll tell you about it at the end. But like, right, it's only taking place in the back to community Facebook group. You've got to be part of it. Maybe there's content if you really talk to your audience in email. There are things that only they get. Like, hey, you are a member of my email community, and I'm going to tell you things here that I am not putting on social media, and I'm not putting in other places. Or you get access to free trainings and events that nobody else gets, right? So provide exclusive content, discounts, experiences to your community to maybe if people were like, if you signed up for a list telling me that you listen to a podcast, or really, if you're listening to the podcast, that's how I know. And I could say, hey, only for my podcast listeners, I'm doing this thing, right? But also for your most loyal clients, your most loyal, active community participants, the ones who are already out there advocating for you, being your brand advocates, offer all of these exclusives. It rewards them for their support, but it also encourages them to continue sharing, sharing your brand, sharing your business with other people. You can also collaborate. You can partner with your clients. You can partner with community members. You can partner with your audience to create really engaging video content that showcases the impact of your service on their lives. So this is when you bring in your clients to talk about something specific, like, hey, let's tell people how you were able to have this huge win in your business. Not only are they sharing a win that's really important to them, but they are getting to talk about their business. And every business owner loves to take the opportunity for that. Now, your clients may not be business owners, and that's okay. They're still very excited to share about the impact in their life. It was something valuable, important to them. They know other people could have a very similar experience. So if you can create those opportunities, that can help demonstrate your expertise and the value that you provide to potential clients. But I really, really want you to remember this as we talk about social currency. Social currency is not just about turning people into brand advocates. It is about fostering a sense of community among those people, whether it's community among your clients, whether it's community among a group of people as a whole, maybe it's a mix of people who aren't your clients and people who are your clients. But remember that definition of community in that they share common goals and they share values. So you're not just trying to turn people into brand advocates. It's about fostering that sense of community among them. When people feel connected to a community, they're more likely to share their experiences. And that just builds even more social currency. But ultimately, that takes us to social capital which is really closely tied to community building. Social capital, again, it's about the connections that are economically valuable and create a supportive community for your business. So these connections come from professional networks, relationships with clients, relationships with collaborators, emotional bonds with your clients, emotional bonds your community members are forming with each other. Remember, social capital in my singles group example was created because of all of the things and connections that were happening between the members of Singles in the Suburbs that, yes, it had to do with me because of how I fostered the events and how my organizers fostered the events and kind of the the rules and the groundwork that I laid, but really it was from what 
they were doing for each other. It was that bigger, more robust network where they all trusted each other and wanted to support each other and wanted to show up for each other. And when people belong to something like that, then they really want to show up in a bigger way for it. And they are more likely to share about it and build more social currency, which then creates more social capital. And social capital is vital for a business because that network of support opens doors for new opportunities, not just for you, but for your clients, for your community members, for your audience. And as they have more opportunities open to them, they're going to credit you for helping open the door to those opportunities. And it's just going to strengthen overall your brand and your credibility. So if you really invest in the idea of social capital, you're going to find that your business grows in ways that you have not anticipated. So it really, really, it's almost like, why not? Why would you not make this part of your strategy? And we've talked about why that 19% statistic, why are people more likely to spend 19%? Why are ni- It's two ways. 19% more likely to and also likely to spend 19% more in your community when they're part of this community that has created all of the social capital. Well, now you see it's the mix of social proof, social currency, social capital. They are trusting. They have a buy-in. They have ownership. This is something that does more on a bigger, larger scale. It's about more than them. It's about more than you. It's about feeling that sense of belonging, that sense of connection. It's about the social proof that's happening. It's about all of these things that are swirling around. Now, I want you to see four what they call value proposition levels in a business. Now, I'm going to, this is again an episode for a future day, (laughs) but I want you to understand these concepts because it will help you understand the power of community. So first of all, you can have a business that's just a commodity-based business. So this is a business, and it offers a thing, a service or a product. So I have a pen. There's a pen. That's it. People are bargain hunters when it's just a commodity, when they're just buying a thing. I just need a pen. Well, I need a lot of pens. What are the cheapest pens? Just give me the cheap pens. I just need a lot of pens. So I want to be a bargain hunter. Price is going to be very important to me at a commodity level. But then you have commodity plus usability. So this is the product or service, but it makes it easy to use, but easy to get a result from using it. So going back to the pen, it could be, okay, this is a pen, but it glides so effortlessly (laughs) that your hand won't hurt even after writing for hours, right? Maybe that's your problem, that you write a lot with your hand and it hurts and the ink is always drying up or whatever. So you have a pen and it helps produce a result. That's level two. People are a little less price conscious, like they're shopping, they're willing to pay a little more if the thing that they're shopping for, the service of the product, helps produce a specific result. They're willing to pay a little more. Now you have the third level, a value, which is a thing, a commodity, plus the result, the usability, And there's a story attached to it. So remember, we were talking about stories being one of the strongest forms of social proof. Here, you create a compelling narrative around your product or service. And of course, now I'm going to have to do this with a pen. And yes, it glides effortlessly and the ink never dries or blots up. It allows you to write for hours without hurting your hand. And it's just like, I don't I can't even, I can't even think of a story, right? It reminds me of the pins my grandma used when she would write me letters and like, I don't know, birthday cards or something. Like I'm creating a compelling narrative, a story that enhances the appeal of it and people are willing to pay more. But then you get to that final value level. That's the commodity plus the usability result plus the story plus social proof, really social proof slash currency slash capital. This is where it all comes into play, elevating your offer and making it truly irresistible. So if I have a pin and the pin produces that result of not hurting your hand and all of the things, and there's a, a emotional story around it that really engages your emotions, and then you're seeing other people share their stories and other people share their experiences and you're seeing photos and you're hearing these these shares and you're hearing about the results other people have had and all of these things are happening, now you are really more likely to 
invest money. And then if you're part of a community built around this freaking pen, which this must be the most amazing pen in the world right now, and you have a sense of belonging in that community and you have that deeper connection, right there's that 19 percent more. By investing in social capital, you'll reap all of these benefits. You will accomplish more with fewer resources over time, and you will build stronger networks that really, truly support on a variety of levels and a variety of ways your business growth. Creating that kind of community in your business requires a very well-planned strategy. That's what all of these episodes are about. Connection, community, the variety of ways that they come into play, how it all helps elevate your business. And you can go back to episode, I think it was episode 126, about the importance of community and elevating your business because we really talk about what it means to build a community. But I want you to think about these things when it comes to building community the way we've talked about. Number one, you have to offer valuable content that resonates with your audience. Then you have to engage with them through social media, through emails, in a Facebook group, right? You have to create those exclusive spaces where they can connect with each other. So an email list is really them connecting to you. But where is the container, this exclusive container, where they can all come together, your audience members can come together and connect with each other? And how do you foster the participation, not only with you, but with each other? Those are really the things that you have to think about. And if you really address those. And over in the Back to Community Facebook group, that's exactly what we're doing. So guys, next, by the time you hear this, I think it's next week, there is a free five-day challenge about getting your next client through your network, which is ironic because it's actually without having to use social media, even though the challenge is taking place on social media. And we are also doing other things to build connection. The point is, As we build connection in the Back to Community Facebook group, I'm showing you how to build connection in your network outside of social media in a way that will really help grow and elevate your business. And that event, that challenge, is going to help you connect with other community members who in turn could probably also help you grow your business. Now, the conversations over in that Facebook group as well are also geared towards helping connect you all as members of the Back to Community Facebook group to each other. So I hope you'll head there. There's a link in the show notes. I would just love to have you join. Introductions have finally started to be made. I know it's always hard to be the first people to introduce yourselves in a group, but there are some really great discussions that are coming your way. For those of you who haven't heard about the Facebook group yet, I decided to create this new Facebook community called Back to Community to return to true community and connection through real conversations and real discussions versus a lot of sales and marketing and promo type posts doing almost everything we talk about in this podcast so that you're able to see it and see the impact on your business and you're able to build your networks. But as you think about these things, what's the content that I can provide? How can I then engage with my audience but create an exclusive container for them to engage with one another? And what kinds of experiences and things can I create to encourage the participation with each other, then you're on your way to building this loyal community that will contribute to that overall social proof, social currency, and social capital. Let's end by going back to that bakery. Remember the bakery that I told you about at the beginning of the episode? I really want you to take a closer look at how they implemented the strategies that we've discussed so that they turned their business around from being really frustrated to being that successful business that is flowing customers in. So my friend started by focusing on social proof. So after we started talking about that and what it really was and what the importance was, they got real intentional about collecting and displaying these testimonials. And again, remember, a positive testimonial that sells for your business is about more than just, I love Rita. Rita's so fun to work with. She's so great. And I had a great experience working with Rita. There's a lot more to it. I'm not going into it in this episode. And it's not quite enough for a standalone episode. So if you want that, just email me, Rita at RitaMamedoIt.com. As for the testimonial information, I will send it to you. But they began to collect the kinds of testimonials that I'm talking about, testimonials that are structured in a way to really work for your business 
and really help you sell. And so they started to display these on their website and social media platforms because they're a bakery. They decided to get on the Yelp train and other trains so they could have like those reviews. And that really started building trust and credibility with potential customers. Because again, remember, 70% of people go to look for that before they ever do anything else. And they encouraged all of their regulars and incentivized their regulars to leave reviews, leave testimonials, give referrals, spread the word. So they offered discounts. They offered incentives for referring new customers. Then they tapped into social currency. They started hosting exclusive events, baking classes, themed nights that were only advertised to their community. So those were people who joined a specific Facebook group geared towards the community that they were creating for their business. They also provided some of their best customers with extra special exclusive. So some were a mix of just repeat customers and some were open to people who had never been customers before but were part of this exclusive community. But they were unique experiences that people could share photos of and information about with all of their friends. And then that brought in new customers into the community and into the business and it strengthened that bond between the bakery and their clients. And then, like I said, they were really working hard to create that sense of community around the bakery. So community in the bakery, but community around the bakery. So in the bakery, they set up community spaces. They hadn't really had that before, but they put some couches, they put some tables, they put some things like that to create people to linger. They brought the community into the bakery. They have local artists display artwork so that people can purchase the local artwork. They started having the local artists come in and talk about the artwork and lead events and a whole variety of things. But the idea is they forged connections between the bakery and the customers, the customers not just to the bakery, but to each other through these experiences, and then the community as a whole to one another. And of course, all of that's that social capital. So all of that is what helped create, right? Like over months, like I said, it it was many, many months, almost a whole year before they saw a huge return on that because it takes time for the events, the relationships. But once it happens, it happens quickly. And that's what happened for this. So what I want you to see are the benefits of social capital and how to create a community in your own business. Because it can provide numerous advantages. It helps you achieve more over less time. It helps you achieve more with less of your individual one-on-one effort, and it creates that stronger network of support. So in your business, this can be done in a variety of ways. Again, hop back, I think it was to episode one. 26 or 127 around how to create community in your business, but it can be done through hosting events, setting a meetup group, setting a Facebook group, collaborating with other entrepreneurs, using online platforms, discussion forms. The idea again is how do I connect my audience to each other? How do I connect my clients, my customers to each other? How can I foster a sense of belonging and shared identity among my audience members. And then don't be afraid. So many people are afraid to display social proof. Display the social proof. The emails that you get, the Facebook messages that you get when clients share stories with you, ask to put that in a video or in an audio or in a writing. Share all of these reviews and testimonials in a variety of ways across many different channels, your website, podcasts, interviews, landing pages, videos, talks, articles. I mean, these efforts will reinforce Enforce the perception of the value of your business, but also it will really make people feel comfortable and encourage new clients to seek out your services and, and be able to trust in your services. So in summary, kind of like if you want a one word association with each one, social proof is being seen and being trusted. Social currency is a higher level of perceived value. And social capital is that higher level of being part of something bigger, belonging, and community. And for your business, understanding and leveraging the power of all of those things can make all of the difference in attracting clients, growing your client base, and achieving long-term success. So by implementing these strategies and examples, you can build a really supportive community around your business, and that sets you apart 
that sets you apart from your competition. So when we talk about differentiation, this is just one of the ways. So I really encourage you to think about this. How can you integrate these concepts into your own business? How can you start reaping the benefits that they have to offer? And so to help you with this, I really do invite you to join the Back to Community Facebook group. This is where we are sharing how we are doing this. We are sharing our experiences, our insights, our technology, our workflows, our processes, and there are going to be upcoming discussions centered around this topic where we're going to dive in even deeper to explore these ideas, but more importantly, the practical ways to provide them. And I just, as you know, I love my community and I love community building in general. And I want you to remember this as we close. More clients, more money, increased business is a byproduct of building a strong community and focusing on all of these things that create social proof, social currency, and social capital. The growth in your business is a byproduct. It can't be the reason for. The reason for the social proof is that, and I want to make more money, and so I'm going to show show social proof, or for that social building up of social currency. It's not, and I want a bigger business and I want to make millions of dollars and the community isn't. And because I want 19% more money, it's I want to help people have a better experience. I want to serve people and I want to serve them well. I want to alleviate their concerns. I want to help them feel like they can make a decision. It's coming at it from relationships, from connecting with other people and giving them what they need. And the byproduct of all of that, right? So social proof, social currency, social capital, as much as it sounds like a business tactic, it's not. It's really a relationship building tactic. It's what people need to feel confident and secure. I'm creating a sense of belonging. I'm creating opportunities. I'm creating connections. I'm creating trust. I'm creating space for people to have the information, the experiences, the space that they need to make decisions, the connections that they need to grow and more in a way that far exceeds just my business and what I do. And if you do that, if you focus on these concepts in that way, your business will grow in ways you can't even imagine. And guys, catch me back here next week for another episode of Back to Community. I hope you feel inspired and ready to take action on building powerful connections and communities. Now it's time to spread the love and share this connection revolution with others. If you enjoyed today's episode, snap a screenshot, share it, or post about it on social media and tag me, Rita Goodrow. I would absolutely love to see it. In fact, as a way of saying thank you, every month I select one person to win my community building resource bundle. This bundle is packed with tips, resources, and exercises to help you build and grow community. Let's get more people in on this adventure to elevate their business success through community and connection. And remember, we are all in this together. So let's continue the conversation in the Back to Community Facebook group. You'll find the link in the show notes. Until next time, keep connecting, keep growing, and let's get back to community.